a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello, podcast land, and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton-Pole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, have you gathered yourself? Uh, I've gathered myself. I had to sit in a car and listen to the debacle. Um, are, are you better now? Have you died and gone to heaven? You know, um, yeah, I've gotten over it. Like, I think... So you did it, die and go to heaven? I did. Uh, <laughs> th- there's there's two, two, two feelings that I have towards what happened this past weekend. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Georgia lost to South Carolina as a 25-point favorite at home. Um, and Jay Fromm played the worst game of his career. Um, I, I of course was angry that they lost. I mean, how could you not? Um, and, and, and Kirby smart, Kirby smart made probably three of the dumbest choices I've ever seen him make as, or I've seen him make in these, in this short four year tenure as the head coach at Georgia. Um, I, 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 I think three of the, his decisions are worse than the fake punt against Bama. Because at least the fake punt was open, if Fields just throws the ball. Um, but the the three decisions he makes the the calling of the timeout, the not letting Rodrigo go for it, um, or n- not letting Rodrigo kick the field goal um, at the end of regulation, and then trying to run a play on third and eight with like eight seconds left. All three I just think are abysmal choices. Um, that is not why they lost the game. They lost the game because. Jake Fromm didn't show up. The offensive line, while we may have we may have dramatized how bad they were, did not play well, um, and that's why they lost. It has nothing to do with the defense. You and I have talked about this off the air, but the defense gave up 13 points in a double overtime game. I'm not going to fault them for a loss. Right, with the other seven coming from the interception, and and if you had to put them in order, it is it is Jake. It is the offensive line, or maybe it's Jake, the decisions from Kirby, the offensive line, and then maybe, you know, the youth and inexperience of the receivers. And I think it would probably go in that order uh, as we jump into that game first and foremost. Um, that is is kind of why the dogs lost. But hopefully this is a good thing. There's been a precedent that's been set by a lot of different teams. Some of them you know, some of them you can identify easily. Clemson and their loss to Syracuse, Ohio State and their loss to Virginia Tech, and there's even some Georgia teams that have this in their history where they lose a game and still have a very, very strong finish. There's obviously the Florida and the Tim Tebow, I promise, uh, speech as well that that is right along with this sort of thing, and or at least what this sort of thing can be, could be, for this Bulldogs team. So they lose, they lose bad, they lose a game they shouldn't have, but they've sort of flirted with that bad bad kind of play in, in some of the other games. I say flirted, and maybe it caught up to them, and maybe this is the best time to do it because all five, or I guess four regular season games that the Dogs need to win are ahead of them, and if they get those, uh, including the SEC championship game, which would be the fifth, then uh, then it's really hard to to leave them out, especially if they can get some convincing wins in uh, in some of those games. Yeah, I think the the criticisms are fair. The hey, we told you guys you can't start 
you can't start sloppy in every freaking game you play this year. And they did. They did against Tennessee. They did against Notre Dame. They did against Vandy. You just They start ugly, and then they take care of business the rest of the game. But not every team is going to allow you to just flip the switch. Um, I, I think a friend, a friend of mine, Troy, um, hey, Troy, um, he's, he is a huge Florida fan. And uh, he, he jokingly said that, um, oh, man, where is it? I want to read what he said because it, it was just funny that, you know, it took everything, everything that could go wrong had to go wrong for Georgia to lose that game. And um, and so they, they lost. Let, let's look forward. The, the thing that annoys me moving forward this past week has been pundits and websites that I respect and I trust. And because I'm not talking about ESPN and Fox, I'm talking about dudes that I listen to regularly and I I follow their writing and all that. Um, when it comes to college football, I don't like this narrative that they're building that now Georgia is out of the running for the playoff because of this loss. And the reason why I don't like that, and if, and, and and again, it's just kind of rosy the wrong way of who's saying it because we had three straight years 2014, 2015, 2016, where teams who made the playoff or won the national championship had horrible losses under their resume. 2014, Virginia Tech, uh, who ends up unranked. 2015, Syracuse or um, Clemson loses to a Pitt team who only wins five games that year. The following year, 2016, where they actually won the title, it's Clemson loses to Clemson lost to Syracuse to a team who only got four wins that year. So, so all of a sudden we're, and and this is not in the BCS era. This is in the playoff era. So we're just now going to say Georgia has no chance because it has an ugly loss under its belt. When when you look at history, I just don't believe that Georgia's out of it, but Hey, I mean, Georgia could lose this game um, coming up or they could lose another game between now and then. I, I do think if they lose another game in the regular season, it is over. And I think that's okay. That's, that's fair to assume that. Um, but I also just don't, I, I, this you can call it fan bias all you want, but I, I think I think you can say Georgia's not a top five team while also saying Georgia is better than losing to South Carolina, um, and I do think Georgia can still win the East. I think everything is still in front of them. Um, like one of my students um, asked me to uh, earlier this week, Mister S, you know who do you think who do you think wins the East now? And my response to them was, ask me on Monday. And the reason why I said ask me on Monday is because I want to see how both Florida and Georgia react or how they show up or don't show up after a loss. Both team lost. How do they show up? Right. And you can make the argument, and this is a nice segue into the Florida LSU game, that Florida was sort of in that game and then kind of lost their lost whatever momentum that they had. I wasn't able to watch the game. But they were there for a while. They they hung around, and, and maybe even the defense did its job for a little while, and the offense maybe did some things that was surprising. And the ball game was 21-21 at halftime, I think. if Yeah, t- yeah 21 all at halftime. And so um, and then LSU starts to pull away after that. But they're in that game. And so how do you react to being in and then kind of having it taken away from you and then almost stretched out? a little bit too you know it was kind of the nail in the coffin if you will that got laid in there by LSU so how do you how do you live into that because you made a good point that everybody's counting Georgia out but yet Florida's coming out of this loss real rosy 
Like everybody's giving Florida all sorts of props for being tied at halftime and for fighting like they did in the third quarter and and maybe things kind of pulling away late for LSU. But uh, Georgia's coming out with you know all the stink in the world and Florida's coming out smelling like roses and it'll be interesting to see what the what the actual reaction is or the actual responses to both of these teams come this weekend. Yeah, I that that, that is a really good point just to, again, just to see how they react. Now to talk about that game in general, I, I again to my friend Troy um, who is a huge Florida fan, I told him and I'll I'll say to you what I told him. I LSU Florida game, I walked away impressed with some aspects and still asking what the crap is real in other in, in other aspects of that game. Because Florida still can't run the ball consistently. Florida's receivers being able to be open like they were and create space and look so good. Is that because of Florida's receivers being so good? Or is that because LSU's defense is not that good? And and that's been a question all season. So this is not like some I'm creating some new narrative against Florida. No, like people have worried if LSU's defense is or their DBs are really that good. And I walked away still thinking that. And the fact that they can't run the ball consistently, every game consistently run the ball, still worries me. It it, it does. The the positive for Florida is to for Kyle Trask to go into Death Valley to look that poised, to look that good. Yes. There is some that will say he's, you know, that that uh, interception is what lost in the game. No, I think what lost you the game ultimately, and I know I'm going to get pushback for this. I think Dan Mullen is ultimately the reason what what lost the game for them because I think them him trying to force Emory Jones in in weird weird series was is what kept Trask from keeping on pace, keeping upbeat keeping that momentum that he was building throughout the game. I just, I think two quarterback systems when it's not a true two quarterback system and you're just bringing in a mobile quarterback once in a while to do things different, i.e. last year with Georgia and Justin Fields, I think it throws the quarterback who throws more off. And I like, I went back and rewatched that game and I, that's what I saw was like Florida lost momentum sometimes because of Emory Jones coming in and not against Emory Jones. It was just, they had played with Trask most of the game, and then Emory Jones comes in, and it just it kind of just threw things off. And so I kind of put that on Mullen. Like, why were you forcing that in there? Like, your boy was dealing; he was doing really well. And so I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if you got to watch the game yet, or if you got to see the whole thing. But that that's where I walked away with when it comes to Florida. And then on the same side of LSU, like they probably are the number one team in the country right now, like just just off sheer resume. Um, but I am worried about that defense. Their offense, I, I, I think their offense can score with anybody, but I, I am worried about their defense. Yeah, kind of two games now for LSU's defense where good, solid uh, passing offenses have been able to really move the ball down the field. They sort of They sort of played for a while well against Texas, but then in the second half, uh, Sam Ellinger was able to turn it around or turn it on. And I guess if you can play a half and keep a guy like Sam Ellinger down, there's something to be said for that. But at the same time, he was able to you know, find a way later on in the game. And then this passing game for Florida certainly has to be their bread and butter right now. You mentioned the woes running the game. 
uh, running the ball. But Kyle Trask is 23 of 39 for 310 yards. Um, that's a that's a pretty good day from him. Yeah. And uh, considering, you know, it's what his his first big road start, you know, and Death Valley, uh, you know, and, and what just his third or fourth game as a starter since high school or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a pretty good game from him. But you're right. Um, I think LSU probably still has that question mark there. But boy, with that kind of question mark, if you can have an answer on your offense itself, where Joe Burrow is 21 of 24 for 293 yards and three touchdowns, and then you can run the ball the way that they were able to run the ball this weekend, wow. I mean, well, that, that might be your answer a, a little bit. And I know maybe the numbers are inflated. Is that what you're about to go to? No, no, no. That's not what I was going to say. Keep going. I, I'll say my point whenever you're done. Okay. Well, I was just going to – you ran the ball for 218 and, and 9.1 yards per carry. That sounds like a good day. Um, and I know uh, Clyde's Edward Hilaire had a couple of uh, big runs in the game, a 57-yarder to go along with, uh, you know, with, with what all he was able to do. But I, I guess the point I'm making is if you're going to be sketchy on defense throwing uh, against the pass game – Joe Burrow being as efficient as he was and being able to run the ball offensively, sometimes maybe you can get away with with that error a little bit. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I the I'm trying to find I'm trying to find the the, the most ridiculous stat of the game. Um, I don't know if I'm able to find it. Um, here it is. <laughs> LSU gained 511 yards on 48 snaps. Wow. Wow. 48 plays, bro. What was the what was well, the was number? 48. They had 24 but, rush attempts, they had 24 passes, total yards. Uh, 511. And Florida 10.6 yards per uh, per per play. LSU, yeah, no, and so they're keeping pace with what they've been doing already this year, and and Florida on the, at the same time had forty had eighty four plays for a total of eight hundred for four hundred and fifty seven. Now that doesn't necessarily mean anything in the big scheme of things because they don't they're not the same type of offense. But LSU averaged nine yards a carry running the ball, and they averaged twelve yards a ca- a pass when throwing. Well, I'll tell you. I'll say this of what it of what it kind of says to me a little bit is that Florida definitely is underutilizing their talent. Now, whether that's that, I don't think that's schematically. I'm sure that they're trying to get Kyle Pitts and Van Jefferson and Freddie Swain and Trayvon Grimes into the mix, and they did a, a good little bit. Van Jefferson with eight catches, and Kyle Pitts went over 100 yards, 21 yards per catch, and Jefferson had the two touchdowns, and Grimes also scored a touchdown. So they're getting those guys involved, but you almost think with the talent that they have in the backfield as well, they're they're not getting what they could be getting if maybe that offensive line was better, and two, maybe if if uh, if the more experienced quarterback was still was still playing. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I said this last week. Um, th- there is like one one analyst put it like this that it does seem like like thirty percent of the offensive playbook is is taken away because of Frank's being gone, and right. 
And so when when you look at when you look at this and just going by the numbers that we were just talking about, I think I think it's kind of twofold. No wonder LSU's DBs looked so bad because they're on the field so they're on the field for double the amount of plays that their offense was. You yeah. know, LSU LSU was only on the field, you know, they're offensively they were only on the field for 48 snaps and their defense was on the on the field for like 84 snaps you know um so no wonder their dbs looked exhausted but i mean is it okay is it fair to say like is florida's defense really as dominant as we thought they were or was this just a bad game just like with georgia you know what what's real and that's and that's the thing i don't i still don't know what's absolutely true I do know that LSU's resume puts them should put them at number one or number two in the country just off sheer resume, um, because I think that matters. You know that, that it matters what what good teams and bad teams you've played up to this point. Um, but uh, do you have anything else to add, or did you want to move on to the next game? No, we we can move on. I think the one thing we do know is LSU's offense is for real. I think Florida's yes. defense is good. Uh, it's a yes. good, solid group, and the fact that LSU went 10 yards per play, almost 11 yards per play, uh, that tells you how good this offense is. And to do it on just – to f- rack up 500 yards on 48 plays, I mean, that's impressive, especially against this uh, against a, a Florida defense that's probably going to finish top 25 this year and probably even higher than that, maybe top 15 uh, if they can really you know tap into how good they how, – how talented they are. But, yeah, uh, Texas, Oklahoma – uh, have you ever seen a situation where uh, the entire team for both teams catch a uh, a personal conduct foul before the game? I want to say there's probably been a Miami FSU game where that's happened. Yeah, maybe um, so. I guess I just have never been really. It's a, it's a, I don't see it often. Right. right. I, I, I don't see it often, um, to your point. But, like, I mean, and and to just think, like, the rest of the game, those players are playing kind of on eggshells because if they get another personal foul call, they're out for the game. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and I'll get us started just on the game here. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, does Oklahoma have a, a defense now? Like, are we, are we talking about a, a real, maybe not real as in, you know, Alabama-esque kind of defense, but if Oklahoma can hold people to 27 points a game, if they can hold people to 25, 24 points a game, that's dangerous. That's real scary to think about, that if that offense can score like they can, and we know that Lincoln Riley should be able to score at almost almost at will, um, Texas was able to slow him down a little bit, but Alex Grinch, I, Grinch, I would say, has passed his first test with flying colors, Knowing that uh, how good Sam Ellinger is uh, on on that side of the football, I, I think to answer your question, I, I think we can say right now, yeah, they they've got a better defense than last year. How much better will probably be proven as the weeks go by and they play yes. more they play more prolific offenses. Right. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I know Texas has been beat up, and I know you're, yes. you're probably wanting to make that point. I did because uh, the running backs. They, I think they lost another one in that game too. But keep going. No, I was I was going to add that how much, and I think we posed this question at the beginning of the year with the Oklahoma offense the way that it is. How 
how much better does Alex Grinch need to make the defense, it doesn't feel like it needs to be a huge jump. It just needs to be maybe a touchdown that they're better. You know what I mean? They're still mm-hmm. giving up 27 points. I think they gave up 31 last year. I'll, I'll look at the number if I, if I can find it. But if, if he can improve that down to 25 points a game from 31, I feel like that's a huge win, and that could be the difference because they and they gave up so many points last year and still went, you know, as undefeated as they did, or um, as you know, as played as well as they did. If if he can improve just by five points, maybe that's six points. Maybe that's enough. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's a really good point, and it's probably, I mean, it's honestly probably accurate. It, it's just, I, I we will know more. I mean, everyone's going to say, "Oh, you're not, you don't, you don't know really how good they are until, you know, the next few weeks go by, or until they play, get in the playoff." Like that's what people are going to say. But to me, I actually, I, I think the bigger tests are um, against Iowa State and um, against, excuse me, against Oklahoma State. H- how do you look there? Are you able to shut them down at all, or, or is it just a one-score game? Because if and correct me if, if you disagree with this, but I think if they show once again they're if they can only hold teams to one score difference in the Big Twelve, then when they play a big boy who you know Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, um, you know who who LSU, you're not going to be able to you're probably not going to be able to score every time you get the ball when you play those teams because their defenses are so elite. Right, and Texas Does that make sense? Texas kept you from doing that. You're you're absolutely right. Texas, I mean, Texas holds you to 34 points. If you can hold Lincoln Riley's offense to 34 points, I call that a win. Um, Hurt Hurts looked human in his game. Sure, like in in that game, like that that interception he threw in the end zone was awful. That off his back foot, I think I saw that highlight. Yeah, like that was awful. Um, that around the that that around the back move was pretty sweet though with the with yes. the football. Yes, it was. I mean, I'm, lost it, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for him. Like I, I think Hurt. I've said this before. I think Hurts has looked awesome this year, and I don't have anything negative to say about him. I'm my can, my concern has never been the offense this year, and neither has it been yours. It, it all goes back to the defense and and how and they they do look better. But what does better mean in the national stage? We know we we kind of see what it means in the Big Twelve. And we'll definitely see, I think, in next week against Iowa State. But what does it mean in the big stage? And, and so I, I still th- kind of think we just don't know. So, yeah, I agree with that. You want to get to? Uh, we're kind of speeding through. We're kind of picking up the pace this week. Do you have any overreactions from this week? We usually go through about three of those. I know we're not going to do that today. But did you have any overreactions for Week Seven? Um, of course, there's the easy, low-hanging fruit. You know, either Georgia's going to win the you know the next five national championships after their <laughs> big loss, or you know Kirby Smart's going to get fired by the end of the year. There's that low-hanging fruit. Is um, anything else you got? I, I kind of starting to think, and this is not so much the loss for Florida State because losing to Clemson, there's not a huge shame in that. But it's just some of the stuff I keep hearing from Willie Taggart, and it's just bits and pieces, so I don't have the full picture. So I want to make that known as I come up with this thought process. But I, I'm not, I don't know. I keep getting very, my doubt keeps growing for Willie Taggart at FSU. 
I, I think I'm, that would be one of my take. My one of my overreactions might be that he doesn't make it to the end of the year. Um, again, that's an overreaction. Yeah, I, I'll go. I'll go thirty percent on that. The the pushback is just how bad the culture was getting him to his sure. third year, and also, I mean, just just honestly, he's a black coach. He's one of the few black coaches in a Power Five program, uh, and I just think. FSU doesn't want to have bad bad press right now, and so I think they want to give him a fair shot. Sure, um, and, and I think a fair shot is what he deserves. But we, we both agree the four years. Uh, we both agree with the four years. Go ahead. No, I just I mean what we what we've talked about before, man. Like, like they they honestly, truly, should only have one loss, and that's to Clemson. Yeah. Like that like they have been in every game that they've lost. And it is a first half of excellence and a second half collapse. And yeah, so and that, and that first half, as long as James Franklin or James Blackman is healthy, that's who his quarterback should be. That's the comments that he's made earlier this week is is sort of this up in the air about who's gonna start at quarterback. And I'm thinking you've got to go if James, as long as he's healthy. Of course, you've got to go James Blackman. He got you 21 points in every game almost in the first quarter. Like, you got to go with James Blackman as your guy. Uh, so that was kind of the thing that was making, that was racking my brain a little bit that um, I think you need to stick with James Blackman. Even if he's got some ups and downs, I think you stick with him and try to work through it with him and just leave Alex Hornibrook as your last resort. God, he's so bad. Any other uh, any other last uh, or overreactions from from this week? No, I I, I think just the like it, it's not it's this week, but just you had to know UCLA was going to beat somebody else, and they beat Stanford last night, and it kind of didn't it, in aspects didn't look close. And so I just, I, I think this just is going to be a bad year for Stanford, just top to bottom. Um, but no, yeah, lose, losing their, um, you know, back on their third, I, I think now on their third string quarterback. So yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not easy down. It's not easy over there in, uh, in the Redwoods. No, uh, but no, man, I'm ready for this week. Uh, just to quickly recap, just to uh, say this, I went nine and three last week. Okay. Um, your boy was balling. Yep. Um, we both, we both picked Miami. We both picked Oregon. We both picked. Okay. By the way, I'm so glad I talked you into that Miami pick. Um, yes, I, I am too. Uh, we both got Oklahoma, right? Both got Bama. Um, I got Arizona state. You got Wazoo. Um, we both picked Baylor. We both picked Iowa state. I picked USC. You picked Notre Dame. So good pick on that one, sir. Uh, we both picked Iowa. We both picked Minnesota. Talked you into that one too. Minnesota. And- Minnesota, the undefeated Minnesota Gophers, just keep golden that, Gophers. By the way, the gold. last the last time Minnesota went six and zero was nineteen sixty one, and they won a national title. Just throwing Woo-hoo. it out there. Uh, we no, both picked well, L- yeah. both picked LSU, and I picked Arizona, and you picked Washington, and um, seven and five, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, thanks for yeah, counting mine up. Appreciate that. Yes, yes, it's seven and five. Um, but yeah, man, let's, let's dive in. Let's, let's make some picks. Washington scored 51 last week against a pretty decent looking Arizona team. They got, uh, number 12, Oregon, a top 25 matchup, number 12, Oregon at number 25, Washington. 
Washington seems to be a little bit inconsistent. They can get 51 in one week, and then they kind of feel like they're held to 16 in another week. How do you like Washington this week against what looks like a very good Oregon defense? Give me the Ducks. Yeah, I, I'm taking the Ducks as well. I, I, just, I just think I think Oregon, after that, after that collapse against Auburn, I just think they've been a team on a mission. They've looked fantastic. No one gets to talk. No one talks about them because most of their games are at night or on that god awful Pac-12 network where no one can watch the games. Again, I say it again, they have the worst commissioner in all of sports. Um, the Pac-12 commissioner, I will not even speak his name, um, but he is awful. But they have a is a three thirty game. On, fr- on Saturday, and I'm excited to be able to watch it. But I just think I think this Oregon team is humming, uh, especially on defense. The problem here, here's something to pay attention to, though. Oregon is, has lost their stud tight end who's leading the team in receptions. They lost him for the year. And so mm. I'm, I'm curious to see what that means for the rest of this very young, very talented, but very young receiving core for the University of Oregon. Ooh, that could be a... It could be a, a, a sketchy spot there. Yes, it, it could be. Um, but I just know Washington has come up against two elite defenses, and they've lost that. They've lost both those games. And Oregon, I would consider in the Pac-12 at least to be an elite defense. And I, I just I think they're going to crumble again. And Oregon's going to be out for blood, you know. For yep. you know, so let's go Ducks. Quack quack. Yeah, I, li- I like the Ducks as well for those same reasons of, of Washington not being great against the two big defenses that they've played and and just sort of some of the inconsistencies as well. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how – still feel like Jake Fromm or Jake uh, Eason, uh, Jacob Eason is still getting his feet under him to, to a degree in some of these big games, kind of his first year back as a starter after taking a year off. So um, I like Oregon here as well, two-and-a-half points – two-and-a-half-point favorite there uh, at Husky Stadium. Uh, Baylor, number 18 Baylor at OK State. Baylor with a three-point win last week against Texas Tech. How do you like the Golden Bears against the Pokes? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with what's going on with Baylor, man. They, yep. they just look consistent. They, they look like they know who they are. They, they, it doesn't seem like they're really struggling with a, a young quarterback in, um, in Sanders, Spencer Sanders for, for OK State, who just will make some incredibly awesome throws and plays, but then will throw the worst interceptions. Um, and, but I think just Baylor is soundly coached. And I think Matt Rule, their their head coach, um, I'm I'm glad they you know they already locked him down with an extension because just the the what he's been able to do at Baylor in such a short time is nothing short of impressive. And so I, I think Baylor continues to roll. I, I think the games they lose are probably going to be against the two big boys in this conference, but I I, I think Baylor's going to win this week. Yeah, I like Baylor to win as well. Uh, you mentioned Spencer Sanders being a freshman, and and I think there's still some turnovers that he makes. He's got eight interceptions. We said that at the beginning of the year as well, and I think there's even some fumbles that I don't have in front of me that are charged to him also. But um, Spencer Sanders with the eight interceptions, and he's he's a he's a young guy making some young mistakes, and so I think that probably plays into the hands of 
um, of Baylor, and they get another win, their seventh win of the season. Yeah. yeah All right, Eric. Arizona State, they with a big win this past weekend, going to take on Utah. It's kind of coming down to a number 13 Utah. They're going to be in Salt Lake City, 13.5-point favorite for Utah. Seems like we kind of keep uh, the underdog continues to be Arizona State. They have their own freshman quarterback, Jaden Daniels. He's been playing pretty well so far this season, 111 of 176. How do you like Arizona State uh, at Utah this one is going to be, uh, I think, low scoring, maybe a 17 to 10, 17, 13 kind of, kind of game. I'm going ahead and calling my first upset of the weekend. I, I, I think Arizona State's going to win this game. Dude, JD Daniels is legit. Like, Herm Edwards, I, I will, I, I texted a friend this this week. There has not been, there, this is probably the biggest thing that I've gotten wrong. Yeah, two years I, I think ago, everybody has gotten this wrong. Just, I, I just, I think Herm Edwards. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't think the, the um, dog and pony show, like in, in inspirational speaker, youth pastor type, was going to work at Arizona State with Herm Edwards. Uh, I'm not bashing that. I'm a youth pastor myself, but I just didn't think it was going to work. Um, I he he, you know, he had no idea what how to do recruiting. He had never done it before. Like the, like it is done now, and but he has turned that team X's and O's. He has turned that team into a well-oiled machine, and they have a bogus loss to Michigan State, and they could be undefeated right now. And I, I just I, I like their court. I like JD Daniels a lot, and so I'm going with the consistent play of Arizona State against a Utah team that on offense has just kind of they have games where they look dominant. They have games where they look suspect, and uh, so yeah. Give me, give me the Sun Devils. I'll go with Utah just for uh, the fact that they have been able to to make some things happen. At some point, Jaden Daniels, I don't know if he's faced uh, a defense. I guess the Michigan State defense is a really good one, and he was able to get away uh, out of that ball game and uh, has only thrown one interception on the season. But Utah maybe that second big defense, uh, another big game in a row for Arizona State as well. Um I think coming in against a, a Washington State team that maybe was uh, going to try to step up and, you know, they were coming off of a loss themselves last week. So I kind of consider this another big game in a row for Arizona State. And so uh, give me Utah. I'll take uh, and trust uh, Hundley. 34 points a game for this offense for Utah. So uh, give me the, uh, the Utes with their firepower. Okay. One last one. It's the big yep. one. Going to go to uh, the wideout. Happy Valley. Michigan, number 16 against Penn State, number 7. If Michigan wanted to reset their season, it would be right here. They It feels like they're going to get several times to kind of put a, a, a nice face on this season. This would be an opportunity to do more than just a nice face. 5-1 uh, and one now. I'm I'm gonna stick with Penn State just to just to get that out of the way because I don't know if Michigan can find the kind of offense that Penn State can access. You know Iowa's good, but to only get ten points, I still I just don't know if they can. I don't know if Michigan can find the points that they need to keep up with a team like Penn State, who uh, I think has a good defense and uh, nine point favorites in this game. So give me Penn State. 
Um, but Jim Harbaugh is going to be coaching for everything he's got because it, I think there's there's reason to believe he'll be coaching for everything he's got. And it'll be close. I won't be surprised if Michigan wins, but give me Penn State. Okay. Let me throw some stats at you if you're ready, if you, if you, if you like that kind of thing. I'm, I was born ready. Penn State <clears throat> is 5-5 five and five all time in whiteout games. Under under Franklin, they are three and two in whiteout games. They white out a lot. Yeah, they they, they do like to white out the stadium. Um, I, I I have said I said weeks ago that I was very impressed with with uh, Penn State um, and their defense. I, I think they have some of the fastest linebackers in the country. I think they have some they have some studs on the outside with. Um, uh, with uh, their playmakers, uh, number one, who whose name is leaving me for some reason right now. Um, he's a freshman. I, I can't remember his name for some, the life of me. He's number one. Um, but they love getting him in space. They love making big plays. Um, but like you said, like they did not look great against Iowa, and I don't think that's necessarily because of a, some kind of like a trap game. I, I think it's because Iowa's defense is so good that it made them stumble. And I think the same thing's going to happen here with Michigan. And he, here's here's a, just an honest truth about this year's Michigan team that we that everybody has just beat the crap out of week after week. They are still just five and one. They are still five and one. They have lost one game and that was to what could possibly be the the Big Ten champion in Wisconsin. Um but my the reason why I'm going to pick Penn State as well, even though I don't feel confident about it, is because of just the lackluster quarterback play for Michigan this year. Um, right, Shea, Patterson, yeah. Shea, Shea Patterson has not been the dude that I swore up and down he was going to be. Um, he has just not looked consistent, and, and I don't. And and Gaddis, who you know, even me bought into him being the savior of this offense with RPO focus. Our offense has just not been that. And so I'm, I'm going to go with Penn state as well. Um, but I just will not be surprised if Michigan pulls out an upset here. So, um, can, can, can throw a couple games of note out there just to, just to quickly do that. Cause I know, I know we, I know we're up against clock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Uh, one of those games, uh, and we kind of, alluded to this during our, our, our review uh, section is uh, South Carolina, South Carolina hosting Florida as a noon game on Saturday. Um, here's a, here's some interesting information. Okay. If you're, if you're wanting to hear some weird nerd stuff, then the line for that game started off at six and a half. It is now at five. Florida is a five point favorite to win that game against South Carolina at South Carolina. Interesting. Just interesting there. Also, there is apparently a huge tropical storm heading towards it, towards Georgia, the, the Georgia East Coast and South Carolina. So it is going to be storming, it is going to be raining, and Florida quite possibly could end up having to run the ball. Yeah, Rob, we've uh, here in South Georgia we've we've rescheduled some high school games on on Friday night, and we've rescheduled the VSU game from Saturday afternoon to Saturday evening for that rain. So we're expecting it to be a lot. We're expecting it to be a good uh, downpour and maybe even some thunderstorms in there as well. I think it's a tropical storm. So, uh, yes, uh, there's. I think Florida A&M canceled a game because of it. 
Are you at all nervous about Florida possibly stumbling? I, I've, I've said I said it earlier today on on the radio. We're not officially show. picking it. I'm just just wanting right. to talk about. It. I said it earlier today on the radio show that if South Carolina, if last week was their peak, at least defensively, if they can find eighty percent of that. I, I just kind of tossed the question, is 80% of their peak against Florida going to be enough defensively to keep them in it? And if Ryan Halinski is healthy, which he's starting, if he's healthy to stay in the whole game, maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe that's the recipe. If they can get back to at least 80 85% of how they played defensively against Georgia, then, you know, Ryan Halinski for 60 minutes might have beat Georgia in regulation. 60 minutes of Ryan Halinski against this Florida defense, they're going to be mad for, you know, they're going to be ready to get back on the horse after last week's, uh, what they gave up to Joe Burrow. But if, I think, yes, I think the question is yes a little bit. If you're Florida, you definitely need to keep your head on a swivel. But then again, it's secret agent Will Muschamp. So who knows? And it's also just weird. Um, that the number's so low. Like, I honestly, if, if someone would have made me guess the line, I would have said 17 and a half, 18 point favorite for, for Florida. And five the fact and a half that, is what I'm looking at now. Did you say six and a half earlier? It's the line this week started at six and a half, and then money started pouring in on South Carolina side, and it dropped down to five, five and a half. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Like, no, no, it's okay. But like that, it's, it's just weird. Like, well, what does Vegas know? What does Vegas know? Right, and here's another weird thing that I think if weirdness is going to set in like it did last week, and at this point I would love for it to set in so other people other people can fill our misery, um, Clemson and, and, and Louisville this weekend. Now, I know Louisville lost their – did Louisville lose their quarterback? Did I hear that right earlier yeah, today? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Puma, Puma, Puma pass is, is done for the year. But do their four and two. Like how did, awesome did is that Did they score 62 last year, last week with, with Puma pass or – was it the was it the backup that helped score sixty two last week? Uh, I will I can answer that yeah, in not a problem three second three seconds. I guess I um, could, I've got the internet in front of me. No, uh, no, it's okay. I've, I'm I'm pulling it. It's right here in front of me. But keep going. Well, I was just thinking if Louisville got sixty two last week and they have the majority of that offense that did that last week, Clemson's been funky. However, they really answered and and kind of uh, took a took a big stand last week against FSU, but maybe if weirdness sets in, maybe Louisville has a chance uh, there against uh, against Clemson. Uh, Auburn's got to play Arkansas this weekend as well. If, again, if weirdness is going to set in, maybe that's a spot. Mississippi State's playing LSU. Again, if weirdness is a thing, maybe that's a spot where it uh, it steps up and does something. Missouri and Vanderbilt, number 22 Missouri, again, uh, Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Um, I mean, Tennessee and Alabama. Like, or I mean, and, and the, the game that I'm looking at that I, I'm when I think of weirdness too is the Ohio State Northwestern game. It's a Friday. It's a Friday night at Northwestern. Like, I, Ohio State could blow them out of the water, but I'm just saying, like it that those are the kind of games that just get that's weird. recipe. Yeah, it, it just 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 get weird. Um, and, and so let, let's let's just take a quick second, and I, I want to just uh, also touch on you know our our team, the Georgia Bulldogs. Like, wh- what do you honestly expect from this team? You know, coming into a game, we're playing a Kentucky team that they should slaughter. What was it that that Clubber Lang said to to Rocky 
pain. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting this weekend is is a little bit of pain. I'm, I'm I really do. Puma think... Pass did not play in that Louisville game. He did not okay. play at all. Okay, so Very go good. ahead. Well, I think the Georgia this Georgia team is going to be mad. The offensive line is going to be you know embarrassed a little bit with the way that they played for all the hype that they have around them. Certainly, Jake's gonna is, is wildly embarrassed for the way that he played. I think uh, the defense is is still going to do what it does, and I think you're probably going to see. I don't know if it'll be twenty four and a half or twenty five and a half, whatever the the line is, but I think this team comes out refocused, angry, and and ready to go and and channeling that anger, not not uh, you know not get too you know distracted by being angry. If, but I, if if Georgia is a national championship contender, go and beat the crap out of them. Yes. Leave leave no doubt, leave, leave no doubt whatsoever. Um, the 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 just two two group of five games of note. Um, that again could be weird is Boise State at BYU. Um, that game could could get weird just it being at night on late on a Saturday night. Um, at BYU and then Temple. Who who came out and beat uh, won a big game last week? Who's won back to back big games? Is going to SMU number nineteen in the country SMU um, tomorrow uh, Saturday at three thirty. So, I I think I think this is going to be one of those mischievous, awesome weekends of games that people aren't just don't think you know going coming in don't think are going to be very close. I agree. I agree. I like this weekend. Me too, man. You ready to wrap it up? Yeah, let's, yeah, man, let's do this. All right, well, we appreciate uh, everybody listening and, and joining in on a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stoltenpole. Be sure to like, rate, uh, review, and subscribe, and all the different things that, uh, that could help us uh, kind of move this thing forward. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Good night, and uh, you stay classy, podcast land.